but I'd say the fundamental purpose, the thing that you need to know about your, your brain and how we're wired is we're wired to move towards reward and away from threat. And that applies to everything. So if we feel like as, you know, that a goal, if we understand the reward that it has for us and others and see the positive intent in that, we're more motivated to do that because we're seeing the positive intent. If we don't have that clarity and we think that we might fail and failing could cause us to get fired or, or look bad, then that's a threat. And so we do everything we can to avoid it. So yeah. at a real fundamental place, it's, that's, that's where it is um, that you really need to understand from how the brain is wired. And there's several others, but I think that's the easiest one for us to understand. We're wired to move towards reward, away from threat. And if we think about that with all the things that we do and people that we manage and how we can help them see that reward and remove the threat response, that's where we'll be more productive. That's where we'll get people in that better place to bring their full selves. This week on the podcast, we have Jill. Jill talks about brain science and how we can use it in the workplace to not only make more certainty um, within our organization and our team, but also to really then create a thriving community within our organizations. We'll jump right in. Welcome to the podcast, Jill. I am really excited to have you here today. Can you just give us a brief um, intro and background of what you do, who you are, and who you serve? Sure. Well, thanks, Kristen. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Um, and my name is Jill Wendelspeck. I have a passion for helping others reach their full potential. That's really my purpose. Um, I work with typically senior leaders, um, mid to senior level, all the way up to CEO. And I say that my purpose is to help employees have better lives one leader at a time. Uh, and, and I say that because working with leaders, I know that they impact the organization, they impact um, employees' lives at work and when they go home too, because it connects all together. And so the more effective that we can make our leaders in how they communicate, how they make decisions, how they take action, how they connect with others can make a, a much wider impact. So I work with um, clients at, at different levels essentially three key areas. It's, it's either working one-on-one -on -one with leaders to help them lead themselves better, be more effective. Um, could be also working with leaders to help them and their team lead others. And then the third area that I focus on is more of um, big picture and it's leading the organization. So leading yourself, leading others, or leading the organization. And I do consulting work with organizations to help them with getting clarity around their key strategies, goals, vision, and purpose. Maybe they're managing a key change so I can help with the people side of managing that change. Or maybe they're looking at redesigning their organization. Um, and so that would be uh, an area I would focus on in regards to um, working and leading others inside the organization. Yeah, interesting. That's quite the subset of different approaches that you have, but obviously they all are somewhat in interconnected and uh, definitely make an impact, I'm sure. What is some of the um, top tier things that you really work with these people with, um, whether it's one-on-one -on -one coaching, the intermediary of the teams or the big picture, what is one big thing that you always try to include with that? Yeah, well, the number one thing that I focus on, especially at the beginning and then throughout is getting clarity. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I call myself a clarity detective because 
when we get clarity around what it is that we want to work on and what's important to us, then we can create the roadmap and put the right tactics and actions in place. But unless we really get clear around what we're trying to do, then it doesn't matter what actions. They may or may not help because we haven't really gotten clear yet. So that works with one-on-one. -on -one. So with leaders one-on-one, -on -one, we'll, we'll spend some time, especially at the beginning of the coaching, getting really clear about where they want to focus, what's important to them, what is their overall purpose. If it's you know developing leaders, multiple leaders inside an organization to help with their team, it's getting clear around what does the company expect of them? Um, what, is the, what are the guiding principles that we want to make sure that we can help coach them towards? So when they're leading others, they're really aligning with the principles and philosophies. And then if it's leading the organization and a big organization change, it's getting clarity around what it is we're moving from and to. Where is it we really want to go? Yeah. That's very interesting. I, I like the whole concept of the clarity approach because oftentimes we don't exactly know what we need or what we want yeah. or um, it's hard to distinguish that. I, I know that um, a good question that often comes up in interviews is what is your five-year goal and oftentimes people don't have a clue. <laughs> um, but even okay. so in the organization they might ha not have a clue of what exactly they need or want or there could be underlying things that really um, impact what they want and it might be slightly different than that. Um, one thing that I, I want to mention is that me and Jill had a conversation prior to this and we talked about how she's really passionate about brain science. Um, do you want to just give us a brief overview of the concept of brain science and then how it interacts with these three pieces of learnings from one-on-ones to teams to organizations? Absolutely. So yes, I am very passionate about leveraging neuroscience to be able to help um, leaders understand how they make decisions, how they manage change. There are fundamental ways in, in which our brain works. Um, one example, and this is why clarity is so important, is the brain craves certainty. It wants things to be predictable. The more predictable we are, the more um, that we can focus in our, we can leverage our unconscious and our conscious mind and focus on what we're looking for. So I bring those pieces in with coaching, with leadership development. Um, there's a lot of neuroscience around how uh, people are motivated. And, and that tends to be a big challenge for managers to say, how do I motivate someone? And we usually look inside and see, this is what motivates me, so it must motivate others. That's wrong, right? But there are some core principles around which we're motivated and they're, and they're based in science. They're science in how we make decisions and how to make better decisions and understanding our emotional reactions to that. So in bringing that in, to be able to explain it to people in, in words that make sense, not using all the science jargon, <laughs> but connecting that, that um, soft skill that I usually are, am coaching around with the hard science behind it. Um, and that's definitely my niche, my passion. I bring neuroscience um, facts and, and into everything that I do when I'm working with leaders and organizations. Thanks for asking yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of those hard, um, hard sciences that really kind of drive the fact that brain science is actually extremely important and um, really valuable for an organization? Sure. Well, I'll share... One of the fundamental things that, that I learned, I, I um, went through an executive master's program with the neuroleadership group. And 
David Rock founded that. And they've done a lot of work around really understanding and applying the brain science to business leaders. So one model, um, I'll get into if we're interested in that, is, is called the SCARF model. And that's really how we're motivated. But I'd say the fundamental purpose, the thing that you need to know about your, your brain and how we're wired is we're wired to move towards reward and away from threat. And that applies to everything. So if we feel like as, you know, that a goal, if we understand the reward that it has for us and others and see the positive intent in that, we're more motivated to do that because we're seeing the positive intent. If we don't have that clarity and we think that we might fail and failing could cause us to get fired or, or look bad, then that's a threat. And so we do everything we can to avoid it. So at a real fundamental place, it's, that's, that's where it is um, that you really need to understand from how the brain is wired. And there's several others, but I think that's the easiest one for us to understand. We're wired to move towards reward away from threat. And if we think about that with all the things that we do and people that we manage and how we can help them see that reward and remove the threat response, that's where we'll be more productive. That's where we'll get people in that better place to bring their full selves to work. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really a valuable piece. I think that oftentimes people are afraid to fail within their organizations um, and take even a slight risk. Um, maybe it's a project or some new innovative idea or whatever it may be. They <laughs> are afraid to um, take that step because it could lead to a failure of some kind, whether big or small. But we haven't been wired to um, fail fast, fail forward, so to speak. Um, right. and, and so I think that's something extremely important that you just said about moving towards reward and away from threat. Um, you're totally right on with that. And uh, I think people need to grasp that a bit more, but also understand that failing is okay and that it actually helps us grow in the long run. It really does. And, you know, it, it moves towards, you may have heard people talk about this concept of a growth mindset where versus a fixed, where fixed is afraid to fail. Failure, you know, is, is bad. Uh, where growth looks at um, incremental change. And, you know, if, if there's a failure, I can learn from that. And that's, yeah. that's another key concept that has a lot of science behind it as well. And fear of, fear drives us. Fear is the one thing that stops us from doing what it is that we really want to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I do a lot of work with, with leaders and teams and really help them understand what is that fear? What is that limiting belief that you have that may be getting in the way for you? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If you could give these leaders um, that are listening or managers that are listening one piece of advice about getting past the fear, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. So the one thing about getting past the fear is to really even just put that fear out in the open, say it out loud. A lot of times when I'm working with leaders, you know, I'll ask them what their concerns are, what, what is stopping them. And they've thought about it in their head, but when they say it out loud, they can see that it doesn't really sound reasonable anymore. So when you actually verbalize a fear, put it on paper, say it out loud, it actually gives it less power inside you. The fears, the more you keep that fear inside and only play it over in your head, the more power it gets. The more, and, and 
there's some science around this. When you put it out there and you say it, you give it less power. It dampens down the emotional response and you can actually take the time to look more rationally at it. So I'd say first, say it out loud. Say it with someone you really trust. Get them to really help you think about, is that fear real? Um, or could the opposite be true? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great piece of advice. I really like that. Do you have a story about how someone has done that in the past and how they've um, actually come out better in the end because of it? Yeah, absolutely. So this, this here's one where um, there was the leader that was had a huge fear of speaking. And, you know, I think a lot of people do have a fear of speaking. That's actually what I've heard is, you know, number one or two fears for people is like standing in front of people and speaking. And this person, their fear was that they would pass out if they would go out there. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, so we talked through it and, you know, actually said, you know, is it really possible for you to pass out. Where have you seen people pass out beyond that? And then we kind of looked into the facts behind it and said, you know what? It's not standing up speaking that could make you pass out. But if you stop breathing, you'll pass out. Mm -hmm. So let's give you some ways that you can calm down that emotional response. Because that's what happens when we have the fear, the amygdala gets triggered. It, sends blood to our extremities, the heart starts racing really fast because we're ready for a fight, right? And we have these short, shallow breaths and short, shallow breaths can, you, you could pass out if you, yeah. if you it is somewhat possible that you could. So what do you do is, you know, had, had her understand, you know, diaphragm breathing, just mm -hmm. make sure you're breathing, your stomach should be pushed out and really taking those breaths, breathing in, out through the nose and getting yourself to that calm place so that you could realize that, okay, I'm going to speak. I may not be perfect every time, but I'm not going to pass out. And then she spoke, put some of these practices in place and realized she didn't pass out. So yeah. then we got to the next place to say, okay, what else do we need to do to get you to feel better? What other fears do you have? I've had another person, um, I was coaching the executive and her fear was that she wouldn't know the answer to a question being asked. Mm -hmm. And we started really playing that fear out and saying, well, okay, so what's the logic behind that? Are you saying that you should know everything about everything and every answer to that? And once she kind of realized, no, I can't, who, who can really know everything? Yeah. You know, and, and what's, what's wrong if someone asks you a question and you don't know, how would that make you look? Well, make me look like I don't know everything. Like, is that really true? And really get them to change the dynamics of what they believe, because that's what her fear was that if she didn't have the answer to everything, people would think that she wasn't smart and mm -hmm. wasn't worthy of being there. And then she switched that thinking to say, wow. If they ask a great question, I don't know, I can say, hey, that's a great question. Let me find out more. Yeah. Or she acknowledges it. And also changed her mindset to say, wow, in asking the question, they're interested. And also maybe she, that can even expand her own thinking and what a gift that could be for someone to ask questions. So 
she changed how she looked at it. Mm -hmm. And it really helped her get much more comfortable. The next time that she was presenting to this group, this senior group, she responded with, that's a great question. Let me follow up and, you know, thank them for that. And she felt really good. She didn't have the anxiety of having to know everything, having it perfect. She didn't have to spend the amount of time that she used to, to try to get, you know, 99 to 100%, right? And she really realized and has started applying that in other areas as well, that Mm -hmm. I don't have to be the expert and everything. I don't have to know everything. Yeah, that's really powerful. That's very powerful, especially just realizing that it's, you don't have to be perfect. Um, <laughs> I think yeah. present perfect is really valuable and um, knowing that you can learn in the process is also really valuable um, and I think that oftentimes um, we as either managers or leaders or whatever a leader in our field feel like we need to know everything and that is not the case um, and yeah yeah I, I totally agree with that I think that's awesome yeah and it happens naturally and it's quite common because we get promoted. Why do we get promoted? Well, we're individual contributors and we're really good at what we do. And we are hundred percent in control of what we do. Then we get promoted to leading people. And that's a big transition. I coach a lot of people through that because then it's no more about what you do. It's how can you guide others to do things? And then you get to that next level where you're guiding other managers and you're just getting further and further away from the stuff you can touch and directly control. Yeah. And that can be unnerving as they you know, senior leaders move up, they have to learn to let go. And that fear of, you know, you have to be more strategic and, you know, strategy, it's, it's a guess. Mm-hmm. At best. You can have as much data as you want, but it's always a guess. So there's always that possibility of being wrong. So the more they get comfortable with, you know, not having it perfect and just thinking bigger, um, the more effective they can be. But it's very common, very common in leaders because we're just used to controlling it <laughs> and knowing everything. Um, yeah. But if, seen, if the most senior leaders know everything about everything that's going on, they're not leading. Mm-hmm. They're not looking further, which is what senior leaders need to do. They need to be looking. Uh, my mentor, John Maxwell, says they need to be looking more and more before. They need to see so that they can, they can lead the people to where it is they see they want them to go. Yeah, absolutely. What is a piece of advice when these managers, obviously, like you said before, the manager or the employee was really good at their job and then they got promoted to manager and now they're getting a little more hands off, um, but then they keep on getting that promotion if they're doing well and then they hit the spot of like, oh crap, <laughs> we need to do something more here. What is a piece of advice that you would give them in terms of brain science and letting go and how they can do it well um, and still coach their people to be better leaders and um, grow within the organization or the, the, their personal growth, but then also be a positive, impactful um, person within the organization? Yeah, I would say I would go back to that certainty again and clarity. and it would be on, okay, what is my role? Getting really clear on my role is the leader. And what is the role of those who are working for me? Um, a lot of times with leaders, you know, they'll struggle with, you know, sometimes I'm calling because I have to help them have tough conversations, difficult conversations, someone's not performing. And I'll ask them, well, 
do they know what's expected? Well, they, I'm sure they do. It's obvious. Well, when have you been explicit about what's expected? Is it in writing somewhere as well? How do we make sure people are clear around what that is? And when we take the time to get clear around, okay, my role as the leader is to, you know, strategize, guide, and then my team has clear roles and responsibilities and they know what they are. I know what they are. That's when the leader can start to breathe a little bit, let go. And that takes, you know, some anxiety, but when you get that certainty around what's expected, yeah. you're not going to trigger that threat response. Absolutely. And that threat response can cause micromanagement, mm. right? Because maybe, maybe they really didn't explain what's, what the person needs to do or the other big one I'd say for leaders that tends to be a derailleur is the inability to delegate. Mm. Yeah. And there's a difference between the delegating authority and responsibility. Oh, so yeah. So if you're delegating um, authority, that's really much more empowering to say, Hey, we need to, you know, improve our sales by 30% over the next quarter come back to me with a strategy around how you think we're going to do it. That's really empowering. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, you know, you're going to be able to, you know, make the decisions along the way. I'm going to allow you to make, if it's responsibility, then it's the manager saying we need to improve by 30%. Here's everything we're going to do. And here's what I need you to do around mm -hmm. it. And you're, you're just telling them everything and you're not really giving them authority to make changes. You're just giving them actions to take. Yeah. That's great if you're trying to build um, followers, <laughs> right? And, and people that are just gonna do what you say, but not great if you're really trying to grow your organization by growing other leaders and empowering people and letting them go. So clarity around what's expected, because that can help the manager realize, okay, I am doing what I'm expected. The team, if someone's not doing what they're expected, it's really clear, it's easy to have a conversation. And then delegation. Yeah. A tip that I give on delegation is if someone can do what you're doing at least 80% as good as how you're doing it, you should probably delegate it. Interesting. Yeah. That's a great tip. I think that that's really appropriate and that that also gives them room to grow too, to that 100% and learn that task on a much better level um, than they would be able to prior for sure. That's a great idea. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I really like how you said authority um, to give them delegation to and have them make the decisions. I think oftentimes employees feel more empowered and more appreciated and respected when they are part of the decision process rather than just being told, here's X, Y, and Z, go do. Um, and that's really impactful and uh, yeah. <laughs> makes a huge difference in your leadership skills but then also in your trust and your relationships and your connections, all that jazz um, in order to actually have a successful organization and a successful team, really. It really is. And that's how we grow. And, and there's science behind that too, because if we're connected, if we, if we contribute to it, right. And we're connect, we know the purpose, the why behind it, and we're helping to create that. We do have more of a connection to that. We want it to succeed. If my manager created this plan and it doesn't work, it's not my fault. It's the manager's fault. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it takes ownership too. I think that's another big thing that um, <laughs> people kind of miss sometimes. We all take ownership. It's not just one person's fault. Everyone's got a, a dice to play in the round essentially. And uh, 
yeah, you just, you got to take ownership of your mistakes and flaws, but also fail fast, fail forward, like we've said in the past, past yeah. few minutes, um, to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, one of my mentors says, and I've got it on a sticky note right here too, it says, you don't have to be great to start, but you do have to start to be great. Mm. And so we're never good the first time. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's that comfort and realizing, okay, I'm just going to start it because there's a big gap. There's a gap between knowing and doing, you know, the knowledge gap and the doing gap. And that's where fear comes into play. Procrastination comes into play. Yeah. Fear stops people from making decisions. Fear stops people from taking action. Fear stops people from really getting to where they want to go. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thanks for saying that. So Jill, if anyone wants to find you to talk to, um, more about brain science or how you can help them, where would be a good place for them to go? Yeah, so you can go to my website, www.talentspecialist with an S at the end, .net. Um, you could also reach out to me by email. It's Jill Windle, W-I-N-D-E-L, at talentspecialist.net. Um, and you can listen to, I actually have a podcast myself, Brain Hacks for Leadership, where I do interview other practitioners, people who are using brain science to help leaders lead themselves, lead others, and lead the organization. And there's some really great tips in there that we didn't go over here, but people could apply to them personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. I will make sure those links are in the, um, in the page, and uh, we'll make sure that people have those the opportunity to listen to your podcast, but also reach out to you for sure. Awesome. Well, if there is there any one last piece of advice you would give people to wrap up? Well, Kristen, I, I would say that this has been a guiding principle for me over the last several years. And it's just a reminder that, you know, our, our thoughts drives our, drive our behaviors and our behaviors impact our results. So if you really want to change your results, spend time understanding what your thoughts are because those your thoughts are powerful take the time do the work um, if you don't have a coach get a coach get a mentor get an accountability partner that you trust that can really help you because we can't do it alone we can't coach ourselves i have a coach and other coaches have coaches yeah. but understanding that it's the power of your thoughts to impact your ultimate results is really that's where you're going to get the gold Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And uh, thanks so much for being a part of this, Jill. I've, I've learned a lot and hopefully our listeners learn a lot. Okay. Thank you, Kristen. This podcast is proudly produced by Waypoint. What is Waypoint? Well, if you want to coach your team and not manage them, then Waypoint is worth checking out. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.